Now we turn to Albany and welcome our guests for the first half of tonight's show. State Senator Jabari Brisport and Assembly Member Marcella Matanias, welcome back to the Independent News Hour. Thank you for having us, John. Great to see you again. Likewise. Hi. 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 So happy to be here with you guys. Great. I'm, yeah, I'm glad we can have this discussion and, and get people up to speed on uh, what the new year is looking like in Albany. And of course, uh, I was kicked off by an annual Albany ritual, the governor's state of the state address uh, given uh, uh, last week. And uh just want to start by playing uh, a couple of clips uh, from her, uh, giving her take on uh, how the state should approach uh, housing policy and building more uh, much needed housing in, in New York City and elsewhere, and then and as well as some of her thoughts on uh, mass transportation and economic uh, development. And I'll get your response to that, and we'll talk about uh, more of uh, what she's uh, calling for and what you all are calling for. Sure. The city of New York, which is a local government, wants to build 500,000 more homes over a decade. I agree. Let them build. Our plan for New York City, our plan for New York City includes four components of what I proposed last year. Restoring tax incentives to build housing that includes affordable housing. Eliminating outdated restrictions on residential density that prevents the city from building more. Supporting no-brainer ideas like the conversion of underutilized commercial property into homes. That can't be hard. And legalizing basement apartments where New Yorkers already live. We'll continue to build New York to a place that welcomes businesses new and existing, small and large, family-owned and publicly traded. We'll keep driving the long-delayed infrastructure and public transit projects, like the Second Avenue subway extension, the Interborough Express, the I-81 Viaduct, the Kensington Expressway, creating thousands and thousands of good-paying union jobs so our workers can support their families. Finally, regarding crime, I want to talk about hate crimes, particularly the rising tide of anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. Since the horrific attacks by Hamas against Israel on October 7th, there's been roughly a 95% increase in hate crimes against Jewish residents of New York City. And we're seeing a surge of anti-Muslim hate crimes as well. Our neighbors are being targeted on playgrounds and synagogues and mosques and on college campuses. All right. So that was some of what Governor Kathy Hochul had to say during her uh, State of the State address last Tuesday. Uh, Assemblymember uh, Marcella Martinez, I want to start with you on the on the housing uh, points she made uh, before you became a, a state legislator from your assembly district in Sunset Park. You were a housing justice organizer for many years there uh, your family experienced displacement as well uh your thoughts on what she had to say and if if there was anything uh important she left out of her uh formula for uh, uh housing uh policy here in new york yeah um i'd like to start with something that she finally admitted and we all agree upon right that it's not 
the taxes that are driving people away, but it's really the unaffordability of housing that's making people leave. And so I think that's really important um, to understand. Um, she keeps talking about incentives to build and wanting to go back to a program that we have seen failed us over and over again, right? New Yorkers are now understanding what um, the building of affordable housing means. It means that they have to wait for a project to be developed. It means that a lot of them don't qualify because their income isn't high enough. And those that do are finding that the rents that are being charged on these affordable units that are being created are actually higher than the rent that they're currently paying. And so I don't see that we can build our way out of this housing crisis. We need to act on things that will give folks immediate assistance now. And so another thing she's she's not talking about is protection that tenants need. There's over a million households currently right now that don't have any protections against arbitrary rent increases. They don't have any protections against evictions. Um, and that can change with the good cause eviction bill. Um, we know that people are having a hard time paying their rent. They're paying, they're working two or three jobs. They're picking and choosing what, um, what is, what bill is not going to be covered just to make sure that they're paying the rent. So instituting a statewide, uh, rental subsidy at this moment would be crucial, right, to folks that have one foot out the door that are about to be evicted. And the difference between this subsidy at the state level as well is that there are no limitations or there are no restrictions on someone's immigration status. So this would allow many more of our neighbors that don't currently qualify for other programs. And then there's something else about wanting to make sure that we're preserving what's left of our affordable housing stock. And that's what a bill that I champion, it's called TOPA, Tenants Opportunity to Purchase Act. What we're seeing, especially in gentrifying communities like mine, is buildings that are in neglect, buildings that are being bought just to be flipped. And so why not give the tenants an opportunity to purchase their own buildings and a way of investing in our communities and providing a pathway from the middle, from the working class to the middle class through home ownership. And so these are three simple things that we can enact that will begin to give people relief that they need. And again, you know, returning to fail programs that are costing us so much money um, is really not the solution at this moment. Okay. And uh, State Senator Jabari Brisport, you represent a, a district in uh, central Brooklyn that's uh, gone through a lot of gentrification and change over the last couple of decades. Uh, your thoughts on Hochul's uh, uh, housing policies and whether we need a good cause eviction as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just start by addressing her quote of, of let them build and just, you know, remind everyone that, you know, developers may be major donors to uh, Governor Kathy Hochul, but they are absolutely not the victim uh, in New York uh, and they are not being blocked from housing. I can speak to Pacific Park in my district where thousands of units of housing have been approved to be built and the developer refused. The developer blocked housing and you know, hoping they could shake down the government for additional money uh, before they eventually went bankrupt. Um, and defaulted on their loan. Um, so I absolutely remain skeptical as, you know, somebody represents a district that built at aggressive levels over the past, um, you know, 
two decades. Um, I'm certainly not a, a Yimby, but if you look at my district, it, it, it embraced Yimby policies over the past two decades and prices continue to skyrocket. So I, I remain skeptical that doing the same thing we've been doing the past two decades will, will create a different result. So in terms of controlling the rents, though, um, so many people having to leave New York because they can't, you know, afford it, uh, that for that we need good cause eviction. There, there is no other way. We have no other like viable solutions to controlling the rents than you know than than good cause eviction. For for people who aren't up on this, can you explain what good cause eviction would be and how it it relates to the rent stabilization programs that are already in place in New York City? Sure. Uh, good cause eviction one limits uh, evictions to times when the landlord can show good cause, either a violation of the lease or non-payment of rent. And then specifically for non-payment of rent, it gives additional protections in court and eviction proceedings where a landlord would need to prove why they raise the rent so much if it goes above a certain threshold. Mm. And, and uh, uh, so what do y'all, I mean, for, both of you and you're a member of a, both members of an eight uh, person uh, socialist contingent in the state legislature. What do you see as your top priorities in this session? What are you hoping to not only fight for, but uh, possibly win? Yeah, I, I can go first. Um, I think uh, we're fighting for universal child care, right? People need a place uh, to take their children so that they can go to work somewhere where they feel safe not just for some people, but making sure that everyone has access to it. Um, we want to make sure that pe- our folks have an access to an education, right? That's going to be about their future and being able to afford, um, you know, what comes. And we're talking about green transportation for the future. And, you know, everyone deserves affordable health care. So, you know, New York Health Act. So these are things that are essential that people need along with assistance for affordable housing. And one of the ways that we can pay for it is taxing the rich. So I, I would say the assembly member hit all the points I wanted to hit. So just a big plus one to each of those and just responding to, again, things the, the governor um, ha- has said repeatedly, you know, in her state of the state, she said, we can't spend money we don't have. And I, I want to reiterate that we do have it. It just exists in the pockets of the rich and, and her wealthy donors. And that if we raise the taxes on them to make sure they pay what they owe, we can have the money that we need to ensure that working class communities across New York State can survive and thrive. And for each of you, um, what's your sense of the level of enthusiasm, uh, both in the Assembly and in the State Senate, for raising additional tax money from the rich? Uh, the governor says she's against it, but uh, what's your sense of uh, where your colleagues are at on this? The Democrats currently control supermajorities in both houses of the New York legislature. I mean, in the assembly, I'm seeing more and more of my colleagues um, embracing this, right? We're seeing this as something that, you know, everyday working folks understand. They know that there's a need and they're tired, quite frankly, of seeing corporations make billions and billions of dollars off of their workforce. And, you know, there's so many needs here um, in the in the in the city, in the state that can actually benefit from it. I think the first year we did a, a, a corporate tax, it was um just for a short period of time. But we've seen how that has really uh, bought in the revenue that we, we needed. And instead of talking about renewing it, you know, the governor seems, you know, content on letting it sunset. 
And what's the mood in the state Senate? Yeah, you know, colleagues know that they can't go home from the budget this year with cuts to schools or cuts to hospitals or, or cuts to social services. Um, we have a crisis of capitalism where the rich keep getting richer and richer while everyday working class people are struggling to get by. And our colleagues are, are feeling that. And, you know, in, in, in previous years, it has been the case where people in Albany have been very afraid to raise taxes during an election year. They're afraid of, of what that will, you know, you know, say or what that might look like. But I think this can, this will be the year where they understand that they should be more afraid of the people who are getting left behind when we choose to preserve tax breaks for the rich and well connected. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, uh, public opinion polls always show that uh, taxing the rich is one of the most popular items among the, the general public, if not uh, the upper echelons of the political class. Uh, um, so I guess another thing I, I was uh, uh, curious about is um, can you talk a little bit about kind of how you all function in Albany uh we have three socialist state senators, five assembly members. So y'all are a distinct uh, minority. Yet, I, as I understand it, your goal is to to sort of organize your colleagues and the, and to maybe uh, be able to punch above your weight. And uh, can you talk about how you do that? How you do that in conjunction with uh, the larger socialist movement that helped propel both of you into office in 2020? If you can give us sort of a as much of a description of kind of what happens on the inside and the, and the role that you all are able to play. Uh, welcome that. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll just give a sort of case study example of our inside organizing about a little more than a year ago, the, the governor nominated Hector LaSalle, um, a conservative activist judge to lead the court of appeals and in conjunction with a great outside push from the the court New York deserves an incredible advocacy group, um, the first three people out of the gate, the first three legislators out of the gate um, saying they would vote no on his nomination were the three socialists, m- myself, Senator Julia Salazar and Senator Kristen Gonzalez. And we organized pretty hard um, to grow the number from three of us saying we would vote no to ultimately over 12 uh, senators saying they would vote no uh, and effectively killing the, the nomination. And it is our goal, you know, consistently to keep organizing our colleagues, um, not just against, you know, bad nominations, but for good legislation and, and for good bills. So we definitely punch above our weight. There's There's three of us in the Senate, but we, you know, try and make our effect more than three people and you know we're successful where we where we can be and that's that's what we'll keep doing moving forward and, and uh marcella martinez i mean you went on a hunger strike at one point for 12 days to win additional funding for undocumented uh immigrant workers during the pandemic uh, uh but besides uh, uh starving yourself from time to time uh what what else uh are you and your socialist colleagues in the assembly able to do uh to uh, um, to have a higher impact? And what would you see as some of the highlights so far of that approach? I mean, it really is about, you know, uh, having conversations and partnering up with folks, right? Um, the legislation doesn't necessarily have to be carried by us. If it's good legislation and we believe in it, you know, we will help put in the work to make sure that people support it and it gets passed, not just, you know, within the assembly, but making sure that we're talking to people um, that need to know about what's happening. I think that 
you know, it's, it's an ongoing uh, conversation that we have with our colleagues. We don't always um, agree on the same things, but we need to be able to find where we do agree on and try and build on those relationships constantly. Right. And and can you talk about, uh, I guess, a little bit more how you sync up your work on the inside with movements on the outside, including uh, the organization Democratic Socialists of America, uh, which you all come from? I think it's really important to have conversations, especially with everyday folks, and also include civic engagement and civic education, right? Um, making sure that people understand that there's this big speech the governor is, is saying, right, and what her priorities are, understanding what happens during um, session, right? The budget hearings that we have, the um, one house uh, budget proposals that we do, right? Making sure people are connected and understand what's happening, as well as making sure that they understand the legislation that we're trying to to push forward. And so what it what it ends up being, it ends up being like a, a group effort on what we're doing. And so we want to make sure that folks understand that they have every right to participate and they should be participating. And I think that folks, if folks really understood what was happening and the way government functioned or its um, inability to function properly, they'd be upset. And so they'd be more tuned in. And so that's what we're trying to do is make sure we're bringing people into the fold. And I would just add to a lot of our strength comes from our constant collaboration. You know, a lot of people who operate in politics operate as islands unto themselves. It's a lot of, you know, people, you know, acting solo. And those of us, uh, you know, socialists in, in the legislature, we, we check in with uh, DSA weekly. We check in with each other as legislators daily um, through either Zoom meetings or, or group chats. And it's that constant communication and making sure we're on the same page that allows us to be so effective. Mm. And uh, it wasn't that long ago that y'all were both activists on the outside yourself before your election in 2020. Uh, Jabari, you were a middle school teacher and Marcella, you were a, a housing organizer in Sunset Park. What, what has surprised you the most uh, being on the inside for the past three years or so uh, that maybe you didn't uh, anticipate or, or know when you were running for office as an outsider. Uh, I think Jari, for do you me, want to start? Sorry. Go ahead. Or Marcella. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll start. I would say, you know, um, what, has uh surprised me the most on the um the inside is um it is not always as simple as uh simply showing the facts sometimes to to move legislation or to move colleagues um sometimes there are relationships that need to be tugged at or or other other mechanisms and that that's that was my own naivete coming into the legislature. I, I was a math teacher. Math is pretty cut and dry. And I, mm-hmm. I thought I would come here and, oh, you just show the facts and then that'll, that'll change their mind. But that was, that was not the case. So there's that. And on the outside, honestly, one thing I, I never expected was our ability to really, um, really turn someone's day around or, or make drastic changes in individuals' lives. Um, you know, I, I, I knew I would have the power to help more people in my community, but it wasn't until I took office to show how much I could do to, you know, my office to help 
people avoid uh, evictions or, 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 you know, get help with their unemployment or even something as simple as recognizing somebody's work with a proclamation or, or, or something can, can mean the world to them. And those things in a, in a very positive light are, are things I, I did not expect were, were part of the job, but I, I fully, fully love. And Marcella Matinius? Um, I don't think we talk enough about how this job impacts our mental health. I think from long hours to so many new things that you're learning about, and it's not just superficial stuff. You really have to dig into it. Um, the different relationships with, that we're managing, um, both with people, um, you know, with proximity to power as well as our colleagues. Um, and that's something that, um, I feel like we should talk about more, right? And and if we understand that this is happening, that we'll be able to take better care of ourselves so that we can be better legislators as well. Mm. And uh, also just one other question, uh, especially about the, the budget process coming up. Uh, there's all, every group under the sun will uh, trek uh, their way to Albany to try to make their voice heard and visit their legislators. Oh, now, now that you've been on the inside, what's your sense of the impact that that being visited by their constituents and and and, and being um, pressured, I guess, by constituents. What impact does it have on uh, not only on you all but uh, your colleagues? Do you get a sense that uh, makes a difference, or that people are, for the most part, up there running on autopilot? Jabari, if you want to start, it's a great question, John. Honestly, it really it varies from from legislator to legislator. You know, I I always meet with you know groups that that bring my constituents. Some some legislators might just send a staffer, you know, to 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 talk to them. So it really depends. But I, I think it's a great opportunity for people who come up to see, um, to see how different legislators operate and to see how Albany works. And you know, in some cases, maybe you learn that you might need a new legislator. Right, you went through that, uh, Marcella. You, your former state assembly person there um, in Sunset Park, as I recall, didn't uh, uh, have much use for talking to housing activists, and then you ended up running and taking his job. Yeah, I mean, I spent about ten years lobbying, right, talking to folks, educating them about legislation, educating them about who had the power to enact it, and then actually bringing them up here and helping them prep their individual stories. Um, I also used to come up here and lobby my former senator who's now mayor, right? So these are things that, you know, to me, I was on the other side. So I, I knew how important it was. I know how much um, people are taking out of their time, losing a day of work to come up here, right? To be part of this um, group of people that want to really tell their stories, to be able to expand on the legislation, um, that that is that is here. And so to me, it's like really important to try and make as much time as I can. I'm always excited when folks from the tenant movement come up. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, we have some of our colleagues that are just numb to it. And it's just, you know, it's just noise to them and they've learned learned to ignore it. And so I think that the presence up in Albany is so important. I think people need to see uh, for themselves, what's happening up here, um, have those meetings with people, you know, that they feel are important, that they have every right to, right? And then just understanding that, you know, people with power, like the real estate industry just hires people and they have like a direct connection to the governor and they can just pick up the phone and call her. 
and everyday folks whose lives are impacted by the legislation that we pass come up here and are constantly, especially in the tenant movement, are constantly being labeled as just making noise, not really, you know, uh, people with coherent ideas about what's happening and just, you know, just decide to just ignore them. And that's heartbreaking for me, especially since I've spent so much time doing that work on the other side. Right. Uh, and before we go here, talking about uh, upgrading the uh, quality of representation, um, uh, your organization, uh, the New York City chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, is running three more challengers against incumbent members of the uh, assembly uh, in the hopes of growing the socialist contingent in Albany from eight members to uh, 11 uh, this year. And in, in a few minutes, we're going to talk with one of those challengers, Jonathan Soto, up in the Bronx. Uh, but I guess if both of you want to make your elevator pitch for why it would make a difference to have 11 socialists in Albany versus eight. And uh, Marcella Matanius, if you want to start, since these could be your future colleagues. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that um, legislators are reminded that we are public servants. I think that there's been a deviation from that. And I think that as much as possible, you want to make sure that you're bringing in people who are um, who have the same ideas right? So that we can collectively together push forward um, our agenda. But I think more so it's about um, having people understand that this is a position where we have a lot of influence and power, but at the same time, what we're trying to do is build a better world. And we know that that's possible. And so we are like-minded individuals who have decided that we will collectively and together work toward that vision that we're not here for ourselves individually. And also just, we're also changing the way um, people do work in Albany, right? Like we have publicly um, decided not to take money from the real estate industry, not take any money from fossil fuel polluters, right? And so I think this is really important as it continues to come out. People have a right to demand more from their elected officials. And so I hope that next year we will have three more socialists in office. And Jabari Brisport, the difference between uh, eight and eleven, and yeah, uh, well, why you're uh, supporting all these uh, challengers? Of course. Well, aside from this being our, our, our spinal tap moment and, and taking it to to eleven, um, I, I will point out just what we've been able to accomplish every time we've grown the presence of socialists in Albany, and we've worked in concert with outside groups every time. But just starting with you know one with Julia Salazar being elected after that in 2019, uh, HSTPA landmark housing legislation. When we expanded the slate to six of us, you know, after the 2020 elections, we passed new taxes on the rich to the tune of billions of dollars, which was the largest amount I've seen in my lifetime. And then when we expanded again, come last year, 2023, for the first time ever, we um, stopped the confirmation of a really bad judge to New York's top court and passed nation leading Green New Deal legislation in the Bill of Public Renewables Act. So short and sweet, every time we elect more socialists, New York gets better. And so we should we should absolutely um, you know get excited about adding three more in the assembly. Okay, well we'll leave it there. But uh, Assembly Member Marcella Matanias and State Senator Jabari Brisport, thank you so much for joining us on WBAI Radio this evening. Thank you. Thanks for having us.